Well, good morning. I got uh, two things I want to share with you before I uh, open the word with you. One is a very positive, encouraging thing, and that is, it doesn't always happen like this. I guess it does happen every year, but today is Paul Osborne's birthday. And, and Friday, Friday, two days ago, was Scott's birthday. Yeah. So uh, we were partying this week in the office, and uh, yeah, anyway, and Diane, it's great to see you back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and I have a prayer request. This is the second thing. We got word uh, earlier this week, Lee Cleaver and uh, his wife Colleen, they have been a regular part of Heritage Christmas the last number of years. In fact, Lee's helped Paul a number of years with that. Uh, actually, years ago, right, Don? I don't know what year that was, but Lee Cleaver began the whole Heritage Christmas thing um, in, at Summit Church at that time. And uh, Lee has COVID, is moved yesterday, Friday or yesterday to Regional Hospital from the Tonkanic Hospital, and he's this close uh, to a ventilator this morning. So we need to pray for Lee and Colleen both and for their church, a number of people in the church uh, also. I shouldn't tell you this because I don't want to scare you, but I mean, they have it too. Um, and so there's a real need, Mahoopany Baptist Church there, and we need to pray for Lee and Colleen and their health and their people, the number of the folks that are sick in their church and uh, for God's healing power to be evident in their midst. God, we are grateful for Jesus Christ. For providing forgiveness of sin because of his shed blood on the cross. And that makes us able to come to you this morning, you our Father, we your children, and ask for your healing power for Lee and Colleen, especially for Lee this morning. Lord, would you do something amazing today? Lord, uh, we know they're fearful and not feeling well, obviously, God, would you minister to them as only you can do. And for their people, those that are also sick who need healing strength and those who are worried and concerned. And uh, God, for the Mahoopany Church, I pray God, that you would pour out your grace on that church for your glory. And in the midst of it all, God, show yourself strong and powerful on their behalf show that town and those who know them what a great god you are in the midst of all of this covid stuff would they see jesus for it's in his name i pray amen well, as I said last week, 
I'm tired of mediocrity, huh? And we talked about what that means. Uh, the Latin word actually is, it's an interesting word, and it means to settle halfway up to the summit of a difficult mountain. You get halfway up and stop. You're, you're caught between the desire to get to the top and excel, but you're in the middle of that, which is like the most comfortable option is probably to stop and rest and go back. Listen, uh, that's mediocrity. To be in a difficult situation and not seem to care too much and kind of give up and just stop and settle for comfort. Life right now for all of us is like climbing a difficult mountain. You feel that? I'm sure many of you do in many different ways for all kinds of different reasons. We just talked about Lee and Colleen. Diane is just and Paul uh, have broken out of all of that. And others of you are here this morning who have had it as well. And um, life right now is like climbing a very steep, difficult mountain. And the climb seems to be getting more rugged every week. But I got to tell you this morning, folks, now is not the time to stop climbing. Now is not the time to settle. Now is not the time to give in to the hardship, to give in to the circumstances that make you want to quit, that make you want to just say, I'm tired of all this. I'm done. No more. Because I have to tell you, folks, at times over the last six, seven, eight months, or however long it's been, I've uttered those words. I think Jane may have been the only one to hear them. Maybe Paul and Scott. Maybe Michelle. And she hung. You'll be hearing them probably along the way. But folks, we know Jesus we just sang the stuff that we believe that, that has changed our lives. Jesus Christ went to the cross to provide forgiveness of sin for those who would believe, and we believe. And as a result, we've got a loving Heavenly Father who doesn't want us to settle who doesn't want us to just kind of wallow in spiritual mediocrity. And you may feel like you can't get out of it. You can't see the other side of that mountain. You're stuck and you just want to settle for whatever is going on right now. And when we settle for mediocre Christian living, we are settling for defeat in our spiritual lives. And God has made it possible for us to know victory all the time. Paul's challenge throughout this letter of Ephesians that we're digging into this Christian armor, 
Paul is concerned throughout that letter that the believers in the church at Ephesus and the concern if he was alive today would be the same thing for our churches in the world today, certainly for our church at Heritage. And that is that we not live like the Gentiles do, which literally means live like we don't know God or that we don't believe in God the Father, or Jesus the Son, or the Holy Spirit, and that we're here all alone. And folks, that's not what we believe. Paul tells the church as a whole, and there in Ephesus, and to each of us individually, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, we've been over this a number of times already, finally, be strong in the Lord. That's where we find our strength, the only place we find our strength, in the Lord and in His mighty power. We don't have the strength and power on our own. We can't do it. That's why we want to get halfway up the mountain and settle, quit, stop but in his mighty power. And then put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes so that we don't have to be stuck in the middle, that we don't have to quit in the middle, that we don't have to take the easy, comfortable way out instead of continuing to climb and continuing to fight the battle. We've got the full armor of God for victory. Open your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. John read, referred to the verse already, John, Ephesians 6, 14. We started there last week as we talked about the belt of truth, Ephesians 6, 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The first piece of armor that Paul talks about, the belt of truth, buckle it up, he says, Put it around your waist. Put it on. What are we talking about? Well, we shared last week that the belt of truth is referenced to a lifestyle that reflects the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reflects all those things we just sang that we believe. That's the belt of truth, the gospel. But, but more than just the the, the objective side of that truth, there's the subjective, which means that we live out the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is demonstrated in our lives who believe in right living. It is demonstrated in truthfulness in our lives, in faithfulness, in the life of integrity. The devil's a liar, he's a deceiver. He will do all he can to get us to pursue his lies and his deception to make sure that our lives do not reflect the truth. That's what the devil wants to do to each of us. Convince us that he's right. Did God really say that? Does God really mean that? That's what he's going to do to get us to believe his lies to make sure that our lives don't show a truthful, believable faith in Jesus Christ. 
We must be honest in our response to truth. We said that last week as it relates to the belt of truth. The belt of truth means that we are honest in our response to truth. Why? Because as we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, again, all of what Paul is writing, he's referring to in this last passage in the end of Ephesians 6, but he says, for you were once darkness, now are you light in the Lord. Live! Live as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I have to be honest with you this morning as I studied this week, and I've always just skipped to verse 10. In fact, you remember we had verse 10 up there, not, and I'm reading through and I'm looking, wait a minute, verse 9, I've always just kind of skipped over verse 9. It's in a parenthesis, it's truth, but it's there, and I thought, okay, but I want to get to the part, uh, verse 10, live as children of light, and, and, and all of what he says, but look, the fruit of the light, what that means is the product, the outcome of the light in our lives. It produces goodness, righteousness, and truth. When we live as children of light, people will see the goodness of God in our lives, the righteousness of God in our lives, the truth of God in our lives, because it will be lived out every day we get out of bed and go about our business. The product of the light in our lives is goodness, righteousness, and truth. We're talking about truth now. We're going to get to righteousness And our honest response to truth is simply to live it. Our response, the response that that honestly must be for that truth of the gospel is to live that truth. Not just believe it, but to live it. Because if we really do believe it, we live it. Don't say you believe it and don't live it because it wouldn't be true biblically. And it is critical that we understand in Philippians chapter 1, this, this is a, a, a great word picture, but it's a, it's a great truth. What Paul also wrote similar around the same time because Philippians and Ephesians are two of the four prison epistles. He wrote when he was in prison for his faith. And he says, and this is my prayer. He's talking to the believers in Philippi. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Why? So that you may be able to discern what is best, the things that rise above everything else, that's what he's talking about, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Pure, that's the word sincere. It's the word genuine, truthful. It's an amazing word picture there in that word. You know, back in that day when Paul was writing, The pottery that was made and sold, the finest pottery available for people with the bucks, right? Like the fine china and crystal that we sometimes want. Or or I, I remember some years ago, the china that my mom and dad would only come out. My mom's china would come out on Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day and maybe a couple other special days. But yeah, it was, it was thinner than the normal plates that we bang around, right? 
And, and, and so back in the day, the pottery, the finest pottery was very thin. It had a clear color and it would blend. Uh, 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 it, it brought a high price because of the beauty of that. But the fine pottery was very fragile. You could imagine the thinness of it. And if you've had good china or crystal, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Fine pottery was fragile before and after it was put into the kiln and fired to make it worthwhile to use. And this pottery in the oven would often crack. And of course, when it cracked, cracked pottery would normally be thrown out as worthless. But dishonest salespeople, dishonest merchants and shop owners would find that cracked pottery and had the habit of filling the cracks with a hard pearly wax that would blend in with the color of the pottery. This made the cracks practically undetectable in the stores for the merchants, especially when it was painted or glazed. Now, I have a cracked. This isn't fine pottery or crystal, or china, but it's actually worth a whole lot more than any of that, see? Because this is a 1980 world champion Philadelphia Phillies mug. <laughs> see, I, at that time in 1980, I was still a, a child. <laughs> now I'm just an older one, but... Um, <laughs> This was my night. I thought if, if my team ever would win the World Series in my lifetime, it would be amazing. Never dreamed it would happen, but then we got, I won't go into all that. You, unless you're a Phillies fan, you'd have no idea. But Pete Rose played first base for us at that time. And, and, and it's got on the back of it the games they won in the playoffs. And, and then the World Series games, they beat the... Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, or whatever their name was then, whatever it is now, the same team that just lost the World Series this year. <laughs> you remember, Judy, you're a Phillies fan, yes. And I dropped this somewhere along the way, and it broke all up, and I was brokenhearted. I have to, I thought, I'll never find another one of these. Maybe if I watch Antique Roadshow or something like that, right? Uh, but someone offered, what are you laughing at, sweetie? You, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, somebody offered to fix it, and so it's fixed. Now, there's no wax in here. But the idea of this in the wax, when held up to light, was immediately detectable. And especially if you would hold it up to the sunlight, you could see dark lines following that were the cracks that had been filled in with wax. And it was at that point then that people could determine whether it was real, legitimate, uncracked, good, fine pottery or not. The artificial element was detected by sun testing, as they called it. That's the word for pure. And the store owners who had the real deal would mark their fine pottery that didn't have, they would mark it sine sera, without 
wax. How about your life this morning? Are there cracks because of sin that, that we have tried to fill in with the wax of hypocrisy, religious activity, just going through the motions, mediocre living, settling for far less than what God would have for us defeated living? Have we tried to fill those cracks of sin in our lives, cover them up with things so that the sin isn't shown rather than dealing with that sin, rather than taking it to Jesus Christ, rather than confessing our sin according to 1 John 1, 9, acknowledging before Him so that He could use us the idea of truthfulness, living a life of integrity. Not that we never will have cracks, but that when we do, we deal with the sin and we don't try to hide it, cover it up, fill in the cracks in our life with things that don't let people see the truth. The belt of truth is living our lives without wax. That's what Paul's talking about. D.L. Moody said this, God did not give us the scriptures to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And God's truth will do that if we live it. Breastplate of righteousness. Need to move on. Ephesians 6.14 continues, Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate for that Roman soldier that was probably right there, either chained to Paul or standing right next to him, certainly in the same room 24-7, was a piece of armor that was made of metal plates and leather combined together, sometimes hard bone put in it. Sometimes they called it chain mail. It was a, a, a covered up the hole from the neck down to the waist, both sides. But the real power was right here to cover the vital organs, especially the heart. I mean, you can see kind of a picture. You can imagine what that might be. In, there were different types and so forth. But that piece of armor covered the body from the neck to the waist so that the source of our life as we think of the heart that beats, that pumps the blood through your body, that keeps you walking and moving and able at this point with the armor to fight and to move your arms. It symbolizes the believer's righteousness in Christ. Now we talked about the righteousness. We can talk about that in two ways, objectively or subjectively. Maybe we'll, let me put it a different way, positionally or practically. We have experienced the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the positional righteousness of God. John referred to that as we talked about, as we sang, Dawn, beautiful thing, that fit perfectly. That's exactly the righteousness of God in Christ that has saved us. And when we come to know Jesus, it wraps around us. And, and so when the devil accuses us, Jesus is there to plead, mediate, 
plead the blood of Christ for those of us who believe. But the idea is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. If you want to write that down and look at it later. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin. Him who had no sin is Jesus, his son. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. We say this, Jesus died in my place for my sins. That's exactly, he took my sin, he became sin for me. Why? So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We are declared right before God because of the blood of Christ. We are covered. We are wrapped up in this breastplate of righteousness. Our hearts are changed from within. And we are now protected by the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We celebrated that last week, communion. That's why we remember Christ's death until he comes. Why? Because it's what changed our lives. It's what saved us. It's what forgave our sin. We believe in the resurrection. And when he rose from the dead, that proved that Jesus is the one and only forgiver of sins. But it's not just the righteousness positionally that we are changed from an enemy of God to a child of God. That's true. But then when that happens, then there's the practical side of that righteousness. And that's really what's involved in, I think, the emphasis, the primary thought behind the breastplate of righteousness is that we live out the truth of God, the righteousness of God in our lives. Ephesians 4.24, I have one of those weeks where I'm reading through verses that I've read many times and it hit me like, whoa, what, wow. Here it is, and to put on the new self and you can look, read through Ephesians chapter 4 sometime this afternoon or this week. And to put on the new self, that's what happens when we're saved, when we get the positional righteousness the righteousness of God in Christ when he became sin for us we put on the new self look at this created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness I never saw that like that before created to be like God folks what do we say is the mission of Heritage Baptist Church more people more like Jesus. We were saved and when we put on our new self, we do that so that we're created to be like God. You go down a few verses to chapter 5 and verse 1 and it talks about be followers of God, be imitators of God. Created to be like Him, like Jesus. That's the righteousness that protects us as we live out that truth in our lives from day to day. You see, we must be holy in our response to temptation. Holy in our response to temptation. Holy is that showing that righteousness that God has provided for us in, in the positional way, but in the practical way, that's the holiness. Be ye holy because I am holy, God said, 
Said in the Old Testament, Peter put it back down in 1 Peter chapter 1. Be holy because I am holy. And holiness is the lived out practical day-to-day reality of the positional righteousness of God. Does that make sense? When we live holy lives, we're showing what God has done for us in Jesus. Well, because it's God's desire and command that we live holy lives, that people see the righteousness of God in us as we live our lives, you can know that the devil is coming after you. That's why Paul goes on and in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. And that's why I said you got to look at the end of chapter 4. Ephesians, read chapter the whole thing and just follow it right on through. Because in verse 22, this is, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. In other words, before you believed, to put off, Paul says, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To put off, you get down to verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. He goes on and on, put off, put off. Why? Because Satan is going to do everything he can to get us to put it back on. To get us to to buy into his deceit and deception and lies. And live out the old way of life. That's why why Paul said in verse 17 that we are not to live like the Gentiles do. Put it off. Why? Because we're to put on the righteousness of God. You see, he goes on down. And in verse 26, Paul says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Do not give the devil a foothold, verse 27. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. What's he saying? Satan is going to attack you, and these are the things that are going to show up if you don't put it off. Wrap yourself up in the breastplate of righteousness and live out the change that Jesus has made in your life. That's what he's talking about. The temptation will come because Satan wants us to be angry, bitter. He wants wants us to be brawling and slandering and, and every form of malice. He wants us to to practice unwholesome talk about one another. He wants us to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He wants us to give the devil a foothold in our life. He wants us to steal. He wants us to, to, to be lazy and not work and feel like, oh, poor me, life is so hard, I can't make it. I'm just going to settle right here in the middle of the mountain and call it quits. He's saying live out. Resist the devil. Romans chapter 13. We'll leave the Ephesians text for a minute. Romans chapter 13, verses 12, 13, and 14. You just want to write them down. and I have them here. Look at them. But Paul says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. 
Amen. Amen. I don't care if January 1st, 2021 ever comes. How about you, eh? huh? Amen? Yeah. Now, we got people who need Jesus, though, folks. And if there's anything that would keep me, that would be it. I know people who I'm praying for who need Jesus. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness because the return of Jesus is sooner than we believe or know, sooner than when we first believed, Paul says here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. And look at this. Put on the armor of light. What is that? I believe it's the breastplate of righteousness. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Verse 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and dark drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. See, those are all the things that Satan's going to whisper, the devil's going to whisper in your ear that he wants to be true of your life, that he wants to characterize your life. And, and he's saying, get rid of that stuff. Behave decently, not why? Why does he have to say that to believers? Because the devil is out to nail us, to ruin our lives. And look at this, verse 14. Rather, rather than living like the Gentiles or living in the darkness rather than in the light, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, um, Jesse, could you give me verse 12 again there, please? Man, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. Look at this. Put on the armor of light. Now go back to verse 14, please. He says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Wrap yourself in the breastplate. Put it on. Really what you're doing, you're putting on the armor of light. What you're doing is putting on Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Be like Jesus. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness. And live it out so that people see Jesus. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You know what that is? That's resisting the devil. Don't even think about it. If I was to say to you, okay, don't think about chocolate cake. Don't think about Rosario's Pizza. Don't. Don't think about the Thanksgiving turkey with the stuffing. Huh? Don't think about that. Don't think about all of your family and friends are going to be gathered with you around the Thanksgiving table. Don't think about that. What are you thinking about? You know what you're thinking about. Chocolate cake or turkey or pizza, right? 
That's why Paul says, don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. We need to grab hold of the truth, the belt of truth, let it control our lives, hold on to it, and then we've got to wrap ourselves, claim, put on the righteousness of God, the breastplate of righteousness, and live it out. Put on, clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. Be like Jesus. Would Jesus do that is a great question to ask. The light signifies holiness and purity. Putting on the arm of the light, I believe it's the same as putting on the breastplate of righteousness. It's protecting your heart. And your emotions, really, the people thought they were, they were here in your, your innards, your intestines. You ever get scared and feel it there? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the darkness signifies evil. Put on, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. James 4, 7, we looked at back in our study on relationships. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Put yourself under his authority. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's why we put on the breastplate of righteousness. We claim it when we believe and we put it on and live it out for all to see. So, truth and righteousness, honest and holy, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. We must be honest in our response to truth by living it. If you say you believe the truth and it doesn't show in your life, you're not being honest. That's hypocritical. You got a crack that you're trying to fill with wax. And then when we look at the breastplate of righteousness, we need to be holy in our response to temptation. How do we do that? We have to resist the devil because the attacks will come. Paul spends so much time in chapter 4 and 5 about saying, live like you know Jesus. Live as a child of light. Live as one whose life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So are you settling for spiritual mediocrity? Are you claiming victory or settling for defeat? Because if we don't put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, we will know defeat regularly. We must put it on. We must be strong in the Lord. Back to our verses. Be strong in the Lord and in the, His mighty power. We must put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. We must stand firm with the belt of truth, verse 14. The belt of truth buckled around our waist and the breastplate of righteousness in its place. Listen, life right now is like that difficult mountain. But now is not the time to stop climbing. I'll never forget 
one of the first times I visited Lake Ann, out at Lake Ann Camp, Ken and Jenna Rudolph, right? You all know Ken, our missionary, and Ken and Jenna, and Ken speaks there, one of the things he does. And first time I ever went to Lake Ann, it took us to the Sleeping Bear Dunes. I'm telling you what, I've never seen anything like that. Those dunes, I mean, it was like, you know, a mountain like this of sand. And, the, and you come in at the top. And, and the thing is, you just start running down the dune. Now, a dune is all sand. Going down is a piece of cake. We got to the bottom and throwing rocks in the lake and all that and looking turned around and we're ready to go and oh no what have I done what have I done so I started climbing and I was you know you're just and the sand keeps and you climb and climb and 10 minutes later you're maybe moved six inches (laughs) I'm thinking they're going to have to call 911 and get me they're going to have to bring a life flight in here and get me. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And you may feel like that today. You may feel on that mountain that you just can't get up that dune of sand. No matter how hard you try, you're exhausted, you're worn out, you're defeated, you're discouraged, you're down, you feel lousy, you feel sick, you're battling the devil, you don't feel like you're winning, you feel like you're in defeat. Folks, I must tell you, put on the full armor of God. Stand firm. That's why we have it. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the armor now. Buckle up, folks. Buckle up and know the victory in those steep, hard, difficult mountain climbs. Oh, God, thank you for the armor that you've given to us. Father, help us to put it on. The belt of truth. Thank you for saving us, giving us the righteousness of Christ. And Lord, help us to live so that people see it. Oh God, guard our hearts. Help us to look to you to know victory, to not give up, to not quit, to claim the power of God. God, I pray that if there are any here today that do not know Jesus, they can talk the talk, but they don't really believe in God the Father, or in Jesus Christ the Son, or in God the Holy Spirit, or that Jesus was crucified on the cross in our place for our sins, and that he rose from the dead to prove he was 
who he said he was, the Son of God, and would do what he said he would do if we believe he would forgive our sin. God, if there's any here today in this auditorium, in the family room, or watching at home, oh God, I pray that they would know Jesus as Savior, that they would believe, acknowledge their sin, and know the transformation of life and help us who know you, God, to live in victory. Help us to put on the armor as we face these difficult mountain climbs. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.